Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Mind Shifters Radio with the Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael Rice. I'm Jeannie Rice, your co-host. Michael and I will share with you the wisdom of the ancient Aramaic internal process of forgiveness. We offer tools and support five days a week. We will support you in building a solid foundation within yourself to live in pure love in Aramaic Rachma. Michael is the author of Why Is This Happening to Me Again?, For more information on Michael or myself or forgiveness, please visit www.whyagain.org. And now, your co-hosts, the Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael and Jeannie Rice. Hello, and welcome to My Sisters Radio. I'm Michelle Pichet, and I'm filling in for Jeannie as co-host today, June 15, 2016. Thank you for joining us, and it would be lovely to hear from you. If you'd like to join our conversation, call our number is 646-200-4169. You'll press 1, and that puts you in the queue to join Michael in asking any questions or comments that you have about forgiveness, which allows you to strengthen and deepen your practice. So I have um, <clears throat> to be participating myself today, and Welcome, Michael. Well, thank you, young lady. I appreciate you stepping in for Jeannie today so that we could be on the road. We're actually just walking out of our domicile here in Ellington, Florida, and uh, heading over to get Jeannie to the airport tomorrow. I have to Bristol, Tennessee. You may have heard the door close behind me. We're just getting on the road. So thank you, thank you. Wonderful. What's exciting in your world, Michelle? Ooh, um, my daughter graduated, Alyssa, who came to Heartland two years ago. As a 16-year-old, graduated from high school last week. And so a lot of house preps and party preps get ready for a big open house this weekend. And um, the weather is on track, and the tours are on track, and things are lining up. I've, um, I think I've utilized the tools related to this work um, to the most extreme I ever have in the last, like, month. It's and, and not always successful, Michael. It's been very evident when the stuff is up, the forgiveness tools sometimes uh, default because I'm still practicing and learning, and they get challenged um, because they're not fully integrated when it's super stressful. Well, gee, I'm surprised that it's still happening to you. That never happens to me. Oh, Jeannie's laughing in the background. <laughs> I hear you loud and clear. Congratulations on your daughter's graduation. That's pretty awesome. The accomplishments of both your kids there are pretty fabulous. And and you know, it's it's that rule of the three Ps: practice, practice, practice. That's what it takes to put these tools to work. And uh, I don't know anybody that's complete, anybody that's finished with it. It's just. A process, a process, you know, when you start recognizing you're integrating a way of living into that's probably been rarely, if seen on planet Earth in the last 2,000 years, into 
that many thousands of years of genetics, you know, it's going to take a little time. Well, that's the reason I've chosen to, you know, commit to the Mind Shifter Support Group. Even when I don't want to go, which is plenty of time, I am committed to go because staying in the conversation, um, being in the radio um, community, like committing to that every day to like continue to strengthen my mind related to concepts and always kind of have it in my face because there is, you know, a lot of cultural um, influences that don't necessarily support this in the way that, you know, so it's creating that support. And I think my frustration is related to the fact I teach it and I'm committed to it, but that, you know, it's it's still a challenge at times, and so then you think about people who have you know jobs and careers in industries where yeah, that's you know not happening. I have a lot of clients who work at the state of Michigan, and so it's just um, I, I imagine to myself, wow, I'm I'm challenged. Uh, I can't imagine if you know you don't have these environments that really support it. Every client I'm talking about forgiveness with, so you know five to eight hours a day. We teach what we need to learn, for sure. Apparently. <laughs> so thank you for asking. And, and I've had that thought many, many times. It's like, I just don't know how people do it if uh, if they don't have the continuous engagement. You know, I look at my life, and you know, I kind of partially taught, chose to teach, and then and, and was partially kind of, uh, what should I say, the uh, the environment kind of pushed me into it. Some, some gentle nudges, and I look back and it's like if I hadn't done that, where where would I be today? Where would my mind be? Where would my heart be? Where would my relationships in my life be? And I just can't imagine it. And so, you know, for those who uh, who don't have that kind of strong support, that's an invitation to say, teach it. You know, you get to keep on an energetic level, especially when it comes to new ways of thinking and living in the world. On an energetic level, you only get to keep what you give away. If you don't give it away, it won't be yours for long. And I wonder if Dr. Tim has any thoughts on that idea. Are you there, Tim? Um, You know, Michael, he was, and then now it seems like maybe he's off the board. So he'll call back in a second. Um, yeah, we've got. I know you've got an intro, maybe. Um, we got a couple callers with a hand up, and I, I'm gonna um, be quiet for a little bit because when I logged onto my daughter's computer, um, I re- I got an error message that I have to up up um, date the Flash program so I can open chat room. So I didn't want to do that in this intro, okay. but um, awesome. I'm gonna hang on. All right, thanks. All right, thank you, young lady. Well, welcome. It's uh, Recovery Wednesday, and um, you know what Michelle was just describing was her recovery process. And recovery is about reclaiming the truth of who you are from any kind of addicted, anything that you're addicted to. Any and, and our definition in this work of addiction is. The compulsive use, and there's the key to it. You know, if somebody has a glass of wine every night, are they an alcoholic? No. But the person who has a glass of wine twice a month because they're feeling rough and it's been a bad day and they don't want to deal with it, that's addiction. 
And so it's the compulsive use of any person, place, substance, circumstance, or activity, number one, to hide who you are from yourself, to keep from hearing and following your highest guidance and functioning as a true human being. And sometimes that shows up as conscience. So shutting off the conscience so we can do the behaviors that what we call the non-being mind demand that you do, the behaviors that come with strong feelings, with physiological push, you know, you feel it in your gut, or strong emotions, thoughts that are so strong that go against functioning as love that it's hard to resist them. So covering up the truth of who we are with some kind of substance and shutting down that conscience so we can't hear it and are able to follow what's going on in the gut, going on in the, uh, the generational database called the body-mind unit, and or simply anesthetizing ourselves against the pain that's held within us that we don't want to feel, that we don't want to deal with. And so our encouragement here is to take hold of the tools to keep bringing the truth of who you are forward. And I promise you again and again and again and again, and I'm speaking from my own experience, maybe there's somebody who doesn't experience this, as Michelle was just saying, you'll fail at it. But, but that's the process of learning, you know. Uh, and, and failure, uh, people tend to make, oh, you failed. Oh, boy, that's really bad. But, you know, if you think about it, if you've raised a child, how many times did your child fail at walking? How many times did they try to get up and boom, they were back on their butt or maybe on their face, faces? A million times. At what point in that process would you grab the child by the shoulder and say, well, that's it, kid. You're just never going to walk. You failed. Now stop. No, that's not what you do. You pick the child up. You support them. And the child builds brain cells for how to control its muscles and its goals to be able to walk. It's a process. And that's, in some cases, a very long process for some children, and in some other cases, a shorter process. But the same process of picking up the truth of who you are, and, and our question, if you're new to the show, the question we regularly remind people that we ask is, if you want to know what love is, hold a newborn child. You will never define it. You can come up with 10 billion words out of the dictionary, and you will never capture the taste of, the essence of, the experience of, the knowledge of what love is. But hold a newborn, and you know exactly what it is. And remember that that is the truth of who you are. Everything else is an aberration. And stored within our genes are the energetic assaults and offenses of a thousand generations. You know, if you go back into the ancient Aramaic, the man named Yeshua was a geneticist. And when the ancient teachings say the sins of the father would be passed, yea, into three and four generations, they're talking about sin, first of all, being an archery term that simply means off the mark. When you fired at the bullseye and you missed the bullseye, the scorekeeper would yell sin. Didn't mean there was anything wrong with you. You just didn't hit the mark. And when we engage in that energy, which is less than the truth of who we are as love, we engage in hostility, fear, grief, rage, drama, trauma, pain, hatred, vengeance, gossip, slander. We engage in those things. We're engaging in energies that are off the mark. And the idea is 
each time you do that, to become aware, to notice the gift life has given you, to show you the energy in you that's off the mark and get to forgive it. You never forgive the person you're standing in front of. You never forgive yourself. You apply forgiveness to energetic offenses that have happened within your energy field that surface as feelings. And the removal of those energies, because they've been made up by men, leaves you with the only thing that's true, and that is the experience of yourself as the active presence of love. And so that's what we're here to support. And when you're not experiencing that, we invite you to refrain from that person, circumstance, sub- substance, activity, or behavior that you would otherwise use to anesthetize yourself, be with it, move through it, and deal with it. So that's where we're heading with this work. And let's see, I bet you that Gail is out there. Is she? Is Gail there? Well, I'm here, Michael. Oh, Tim, hey, welcome back, sir. I had some difficulties, and we had a 618. Apparently, um, Michelle is back on. She just turned her on. So um, just quickly, what was coming up for me when I was listening to Michelle and you talk about it, and Michelle talking about how challenges come up maybe more than ever before she's had to use the tools, I was thinking about the circle of life and how to play it in that video and how you talk about this roadmap for figuring out where I am. And a lot of people want to talk about whether they're enlightened and how much work they've done in the past. And what I keep trying to get people to understand is the the single most useful thing for me has been to realize it doesn't matter how much work I've done in the past. What matters is, in this moment, have I been triggered? And if I'm feeling something less than the connection to all that is and my true nature is love, I can only correct that mistake if I acknowledge that it's there. And in that roadmap that you lay out in the circle of life and how to play it, you say, here's how to use this as a tool. In any moment when I get triggered, I can say, oh, here's the event that happened. Here was my response to it. Here was my denial and suppression. Here's how I believe it's somebody else, etc." And then I can step back through that because I've recognized where I am in the moment in the process of blocking myself from experience my, experiencing myself as love and experiencing everyone else's love. So those were the brain cells that were triggered for me during that discussion, and I was about to answer it when I got cut off. Great. Well, right on track. I'm in. I'm right along with you. And I came across. I've been reading a little bit of Jung's work uh, lately, and I came across a couple of interesting quotes. He's just uh, so in tune. I would have loved to have sat down and spent hours and hours and hours and hours in conversation and process with Carl Jung, but he says on this topic of, am I finished with my work? No one can flatter himself that he is immune to the spirit of his own epoch or even that he possesses a full understanding of it. We've all got a past, you know, the generational patterns. And uh, Jung, with all the work he did, you know, here he is acknowledging himself. Hey, I haven't got it all handled. Here we are in the process. And, and to look at the root of it and, you know, every... 
experience. You know, we were talking about trauma yesterday, and that was some great input you had about trauma yesterday. And every experience of trauma where one loses awareness of being, to me, in the context of this quote that I'm going to share of uh, Jung's, is an experience that takes us back to that receptivity of the childhood mind and the tendency to get locked into energetic patterns. So Jung says, the little world of childhood with its familiar surroundings is a model of the greater world. The more intensively the family has stamped its character upon the child, the more it will tend to feed and see its earlier miniature world again in the bigger world of adult life. Naturally, this is not a conscious intellectual process. Every energy from every generation is there impacting, creating, generating the world we see and the experiences we attract to ourselves. And it is the forgiveness of that that allows us to recover the truth of who we are, the truth of being. Thus, Recovery Wednesdays. So let's check in and see if uh, if Gail is there. Young lady, how do you be? I think you're there. I am here. <laughs> and oh, I am good. Well. How, how are you? What's exciting in your world and what's on your mind for today? Well, I have four comments, and then um, based on things that have been talked about already, and then uh, first of all, I want to say it's, it's great to hear Michelle's beautiful voice on the line today. Um, I had a premonition that she was probably going to be there, and she was, and so it's great to hear her voice and to hear about her children's accomplishments, especially her daughter's graduation. So I wanted to say that first and foremost. Um, the things that I have on my mind is to go off your original lead-in when you said in order to keep it, we have to give it away, and that is what they will learn from can I his, Can I interrupt you for ahead. a second? You can. Are you speaking directly into your microphone? Your words are a little distorted. Okay. Uh, it's just am a little I, distorted. I, it's a little hard for me to hear you. But, uh, okay. And I've got some uh, road really? noise behind it, too. So go ahead. Gotcha. Um, I don't have my headset in. If I find my headset, I will put that in because I think that makes it better. Is that better? Or? No, you you are more muffled than normal. Oh. I'm not sure what to do about that. Um, do you guys want to continue talking, and I'll go find my headset. Okay. Sounds good. Okay. And maybe if you said you had a couple of hands up, Michelle, maybe there's somebody else yeah. with a hand up we can say hello to and see what they have to share. Sure. Um, area code 808, you're on the air. Who do we have, and where are you calling from? This is Roma. I'm calling from Maui. Ooh, Hello, awesome. everybody. Welcome, young lady. <laughs> Thank you. Um, yesterday, when you were talking, I believe it was Gail you were talking to yesterday. Hello. Actually, it was Julie. Oh, Julie. Julie, oh, Julie, we were Julie right? To. Okay. Yeah, I was confused as to the name, but you used the phrase "listen to the language," and it uh, really uh, hit home with me because on Friday. Um, after 
um, we were processing on um, in this program on Friday, so I was very open. I went a couple of hours later. I went to an acupuncture session, which turned out uh, the emotions were so available. He had to take the needles out, and he used suction cups on the, on my back. And when the treatment was over, uh, I was sitting with the receptionist in a altered state of consciousness, and all of a sudden I said, and my heart, my heart was just streaming. And all of a sudden I said, I can't hide my love. And um, I Yay. realized, yeah, yeah. And I was a pretty, I was a pretty clear director from Yeshua 2,000 years ago when he said, don't put your light under a bushel basket, and the bushel basket is all the hostilities and fears that we generate that cover that up. So nice. There's a, a, a nice taste of the presence. Yeah, it was very direct. And at, when it happened, I was shocked that the wording came out the way it came out. And uh, when I remembered this, as you were talking to Julie yesterday, uh, my breathing started to change and my whole body started to tremble. And I realized that that hiding my love uh, has been a pattern throughout my life. Uh, so it, it was very, uh, very illuminating. Uh, and I thank you for that phrase, listen to the language. Awesome. Well, it sounds like you're coming out of a pattern and uh, getting conscious of the pattern that was there and uh, mm -hmm. to continue to move in the direction of, you know, Yeshua said that's that's first order of business. You've got to keep that active and present. So that's awesome. Nice work. Exactly. That will exactly. melt everything that the world could possibly resonate. One of the, the beautiful things about being willing to be in that connected space and allowing things to surface is that if we don't reach for some kind of uh, block to the energy, something to mm -hmm. support us in, in hiding from it, that which is unlike love that opens in that space will simply dissolve. And as it dissolves, you're freed of the generations. That's the whole idea of the work. And there's a process or a point that I've observed, and I've only observed it a few times in a few people, but I've observed it often enough to, to, to name it, at least from my experience, and that is to hit what I've coined as process point. And knowing that the definition in this work of process is the ability to keep love conscious, active, and present when something less than love comes up. And when you get to a point of willingness, I think there are several probably factors, vitality, willingness, trust, and the use of the tools. There's a point where that veil of the temple is simply open. You can't not only hide love, but you can't hide anything. And so up flows those old trauma experiences, but because you're at process point and love is continuously present, those things just melt off high speed, fast forward. And that's, it's an awesome place to get to, and it sounds like you're with that uh, support of the acupuncturist that, uh, that you're getting to that place, and that's a fabulous place to be. Yeah, thank you. And um, uh, I, uh, I'm becoming, the more I visit um, and participate in these phone calls, I'm becoming more and more aware of the 
incredible intensity of the consciousness in these phone calls. Um, and I want to thank you for that and making it available to anyone who is luckily guided to dial this phone number uh, at whatever point in the day um, you're on. So thank you. Thank you for the program. Well, thanks for recognizing it. Thanks for joining and supporting it. And that's exactly our purpose. I feel, in the, you know, having done this work for close to half a century now, that the last six years we've had this media available, this technology that's just expanding out. I'm actually talking with another network about maybe linking in with this show so we'll expand our reach even further. But, you know, the magic of here you are sitting in Maui, dialing a little piece of metal in glass, and <laughs> here I am on a on a car on the interstate, I-75 in Florida, and, and there's Tim in Chicago and, and Michelle in, in um, Michigan seeing your hand go up, push a little button, and here we are <laughs> recording something that will be available for eternity. I mean, how cool is that? <laughs> Whoo! Talk about a universal brain, you know. I mean, <laughs> once we finish this show, anybody that wants to can go to the archives, download it, put it on their phone, and, you know, how many copies of it will there be in a week, a month, a year, 10 years, 100 years? How many copies of this conversation will be out there and other people listening and tapping into that consciousness and getting that support? And that, to me, is just like, wow, what a gift. It's fast-track. It's fast-tracking yeah. human consciousness. Yay, critical mass is coming. It's got to come soon. Yeah, right. Okie doke. All right, well, Jeannie, have have a wonderful journey, and uh, thank you both very much, and aloha. You are absolutely most welcome. All right, blessings, aloha. Rachma. You know, maybe we should start making a, uh, like the Hawaiians did, the word aloha is precisely identical to the word rachma. I believe that the Hawaiians were one of the lost 12 tribes. And uh, so maybe we should start a greeting. Aloha. Let's start Rachma. It's, uh, it's just uh, so powerful to recognize that that's the number one order of business is when I can keep love conscious, active, and present. My game changes. All right. Well, Michelle, do we have anybody else with a hand up? Or uh, how are things going in the chat room? Were you able to get that flash update? No, um, it, I think what I have to do, um, I've updated permission controls, firewall, all the things, but then I have to, like, shut the computer off and turn it back on, and I'm hesitant to do that mid-show. So um, uh, if we have a caller and I've got, um, you know, a five-minute block, I, I'm willing to do it, but not not with um, okay. potential people. Right. Okay, well, uh, you know, let's put that on hold. Uh, if anybody wants to enter the chat room and it's not available because of a computer glitch here, then perhaps uh, they could just uh, pick up the phone and dial in 646-200-4169 if you want to listen. And then if you have a question for us, if you push one, you'll be listening or we'll be talking. Um, you just hey, Michael, I got my... Um Ah, there you go. I hear you, young lady back there. Hey, and here we have somebody in in Illinois, somebody in another state, (laughs) just right here with this technology. It's so awesome. (laughs) Michael, I have counted over 25 different area codes and some um, multiple phone numbers with the same area code listening at the moment. And so I was like, wow, look at that. How many different 
cities around the country. Fabulous. And there's at least one other network that we're on that we can't see in our switchboard, so uh, who knows what happens there. So it is pretty sweet to uh, to be able to do this. So what's on your mind, Gail? Well, I'm, I'm glad you can hear me now. <laughs> um, I was going to continue on with what what you said about um, in order to keep it, we need to we need to pass it on, and that's exactly the premise of what the AA program is based on, or what the twelve step programs are based on as well. And it started with the Oxford Group. Um, that was their sixth tenant that they had in place um, before AA became AA, and was. Um, people were having their vital spiritual experiences through joining the Oxford group. And a gentleman named Ebby Thatcher took his, carried his message to a gentleman named Bill Wilson. And that was what he was told to do was to, if you want to keep this, what you have, um, you need to carry it on to somebody else. And so after um, our co-founder, Bill Wilson got sober, he carried, attempted to carry the message to others um, about six months after he got sober. And then he um, discovered the formula, which was to talk about his drinking instead of talking about other people's drinking in order to get identification. And when he got that identification, then he learned to talk about the solution, which is to either work the tenants or later came the steps. And this past week, um, I believe it was on Thursday, June 10th, was the 81st anniversary of Alcoholics Anonymous. And the weekend after that is what is called Founders Day. That is when about 10,000 people converge on Akron, Ohio, and um, take the tour of the Mayflower Hotel where Bill Wilson was thinking about drinking, and he was passing back and forth, and he found a church directory and started calling people so he could find another alcoholic to talk to. Um, they also tour Dr. Bob's old house. Um, and they also tour um, where that first conversation between Dr. Bob and Bill Wilson took place. And um, this conversation took place on Mother's Day of 2000, I mean, uh, 1935. And then um, Dr. Bob Smith's first day of sobriety ended up being June 10th of 1935. So that's where we come up with the anniversary day and and celebrating Founders Day in Akron, Ohio. So I wanted to tie that into what you said earlier. Well, we'll wish happy birthday to uh, AA and uh, uh, congratulations to Bill for having the ears to hear and listen and the Oxford group for creating a foundation that supported him to move forward and the millions and millions of lives that have been touched. It's just, uh, it's monumental. Absolutely. Um, the other comment that I had was I need to make a correction <laughs> um, about um, how the word pigeon became um, a popularly used term for people that are sponsored. Um, it actually is a World War One term, um, and they used the word pigeon because they gave uh, pigeons messages to carry to the front line. So that ties into what you said earlier as well, and that 
when we sponsor somebody, we carry a message to them or we give them a message with the expectation or the hope that they, when they get sober and work the steps, that they'll be able to carry a message as well. Oh, well, um, that's not the- nearly as fun. That's not nearly as fun an explanation <laughs> as the one you had last week. I loved that one last week. <laughs> For those who weren't on the show last week, she said that they were called pigeons because people come and they're, they're drinking and they decide to stop drinking, and then when they want to have another drink, they poop on you and, and fly away. I thought that was a much more fun explanation and very accurate, too, so we'll uh, we'll create a, a dual definition for the word then. <laughs> yeah, the, the the primary one, and I said this on a, um, a private chat group or a private group that I belong on Facebook, and I was corrected. <laughs> and so, anyway... And um, I'm going to go along with the correction and, and pass on the correct information to you. <laughs> I think that uh, well, we the term appreciate later the support at- of the world. <laughs> uh, I wanted to make a comment about what um, Dr. Kim said, uh, and 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 he said it um, along with we we don't stop this work; we continue going on and. Um, that supports our step 10, which is we continue to take personal inventory, and when we are wrong, we promptly admitted it. But I want to read a paragraph of what it says in, in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous about this, is that we keep doing our work, and it's on page 85. It says, it's easy to let up on a spiritual program of action and to rest on our laurels. We are headed for trouble if we do, for alcohol is a subtle foe. We are not cured of alcoholism. What we really have is a daily reprieve contingent upon the maintenance of our spiritual condition. Every day is a day when we must carry the vision of God's will into our activities. How I miss, how can I best serve thee? Thy will not mine be done. These are the thoughts that, which must go with us constantly. We can exercise our willpower along this line all we wish. It is the proper use of will. So what that tells me is that, um, you know, I have to keep doing this work or I will drink again if I don't do it. So that was my comment there, and I have one more. Go for it. Um, I also am delighted by the fact that you keep bringing up Carl Jung, and I wanted to say that Carl Jung was a very instrumental person when it came to Alcoholics Anonymous. So he was the one that um, Carl Jung, there was a gentleman named um, Roland Hazard that uh, went to look for Carl Jung um, in order to get help with his drinking. And he originally wanted to go to Freud, but Freud was too busy. He originally wanted to go, he next wanted to go to Adler, but Adler was too busy. And so he ended up with Carl Jung, and he worked with Carl Jung for a year. And um, then he came back home, and he drank again very shortly. He went back to Carl Jung, and Carl Jung is the one that planted into his head, um, you need to have a vital spiritual experience. And and so that's when he found um, the Oxford group, and it went from there. So we recognize that Carl Jung is one of the people that helped us come up with our step two, which is we came to believe that our power greater than ourselves can restore us to sanity. Um, but we also recognize him as having um, an influence 
on the development of Alcoholics Anonymous. That's a uh, an interesting piece of the puzzle, and uh, there was another quote that I had found from Jung ties into that, and he's not just referring to alcoholics, but here he talks about all his patients, and he says, among all my patients in the second half of life, that is to say those over 35, there has not been one whose problem in the last resort was not that of finding a religious outlook on life. It is safe to say that every one of them fell ill because he had lost what the living, pardon me, what the living religions of every age have given to the followers, and none of them has been really healed who did not regain his religious outlook. In other words, you got to go to the principles of the universe and tap into, you know, and it's thought of as religious and more so back then than now, but just recognize that it's that connection to the active presence of love that needs to be recovered. And somebody who's got oh, that, that is the unconscious, has such a, a thick barrier over it that it won't allow anything else to uh, to express through the mind, it's a tough place to be. And it's the continuous application of the process of forgiveness, which in my view, doing the reality management worksheet is really like, it's kind of a, a mini and a macro inventory every time you do it. You're doing an inventory of what the current issue is that's on going on in your life and in your mind, and then you're opening the space to look at that in a broader context when you actually engage in the core step of canceling the goal that drives the perceptual mind. So it so perfectly ties into the whole 12 step process that and and of course gives the uh, the piece that uh, most of the world still hasn't found and that is that forgiveness isn't about them it's about changing what's going on inside of me absolutely agreed and uh, go ahead no I'm complete go ahead Um, I was going to say that I'm working with a lady that I sponsor, and we meet on Monday and Fridays, and um, she's she's working on her inventory right now, and um, I've been sitting there with her with my my wake up sheets while she's been working on her inventory, and I'm just shaking my head. I'm like, I so want to introduce her to the the wake up sheets, but it's not the right time at this time to do that. Premature and. Um, so, yeah, I get that, and I am so grateful for the wake-up sheet to be able to immediately go to the source of my upset and to be able to dive into the unconscious. And I want to acknowledge Julie, who was on the show yesterday. That was some heavy-duty work, and I'm right there with her because I've yes. experienced it. And, um, and the, the lady that was on the phone earlier um, I, I've been following her work as well, and I'm grateful for the openings that she's had, especially when she took um, the the Buddha's work and, and, and put it in conjunction with Yeshua's work and, and that timeline. Um, I, I've been thinking that as well, and it was really great to hear somebody else 
say that. So I've been following her and her work and her process and breathing right along with her. And this is so powerful to be able to breathe right along and have those same openings on the phone as well. And um, I've been experimenting with the di- with the drilling. Um, I've been doing my stuff. It's like if I have a goal for one person, I've been going through those those goals for that person and staying with that. And then I made the decision this week to start drilling into it. And, like, if I have a, an irritable, you know, if I'm irritated with one person, where that irritation has been taking me, and it has been taking me, me to some of my deepest rages, and I've been astounded by where the unconscious has taken me in certain events and that I've forgotten about that happened 44 years ago. And I'm amazed by how much of an impact they have on me today. So I'm grateful for this work, and I'm grateful for the process and everybody that participates. I certainly join you in that, and uh, I hear you loud and clear. And, you know, I think another benefit is that when someone has the courage to come forward, as Julie did, to share what she shared and, and, you know, some pretty intimate process that the person who holds the space of I'm alone, I'm the only one that's ever experienced this, nobody else would ever understand it, gets to go, ultimately, after you've listened to the show long enough, oh, my God, we're all the same. We've all been through the same stuff. It's the same. And there are, you know, systematic ways to process through and move through and out the other side. And on the idea of introducing it to this um, the person you're working with, my offering would be there might be a simple way to introduce it that you could do at any moment, like literally in the first five minutes of a conversation with a new pigeon. <laughs> and and that would be to simply, as especially say if someone's doing their inventory, after they've gone through two, three, four, five events, just to perhaps point out, you'll notice that in every case where you had disturbance, where there was something to take an inventory about, notice that you had a goal for somebody, yourself or someone else, that was not being fulfilled. Just notice that. And that creates an opening for, once you've maybe offered that to somebody a few times, for them to say, well, why is that important? What's that got to do with the process? And that creates an opening for uh, explaining the fact that the goal is a driver for the whole pained process of aberrant perception. And that when I learn to cancel that goal, that's when my pained perception collapses and I get to do some deeper healing work. So that, without going into the whole worksheet process or anything, you know, just at a point where somebody's hit a few high points of their trauma, uh, they, they have to start to be able to recognize there was always a goal involved. And I think that might be an easy way to, to open the space to, to get that uh, uh, in where people can start to understand it. Yeah, that's good. It's very good. Mm-hmm. Awesome. I, I, well, I Michelle, agree. We... I think... Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, I was just going to say that that is an awesome opening. 
Yeah, exactly. And, and um, thank you, thank you for those words. She is very aware of what I'm doing. She is choosing right now to do her inventory first, and then she she wants to do this next. But it's it's me and Michael uh, um, wanting her to get out of pain and uh, a little bit faster. <laughs> so. Anyway, thank you for that, and I am going to put myself on mute and listen to the rest of the show. Thank you so much, and travel right, blessings to Jean. Yes, I'll tell her you shared your travel blessings. So, Michelle, do you have anybody else oh. with a hand up or any thoughts to share before we go to a hand up if there's somebody there? Well, um, I want to let you know that um, the chat room was opened up to we last talked, so... Um, actually, Julie was sharing her uh, accolades for the direction she got yesterday, and um, has already been in touch with Dr. Andraki, and she's working on it. So I thought that was a great thing um, to share. And we've got, uh, yeah, area code 207 on the line here. Um, hey, 207. You're on the air. Give hey, us Michael. a name. Where are you calling from? Hey, hey Michael. It's Shelley. Hey, Hi, young Shelley. man. It's good to hear from you. Yeah, I guess so. Hey, um, I've got a question for you that's processing right now, and I don't I hate this when I go through this shit. Okay, I'm in a great, I'm in a great new relationship right now. Okay, but I keep having thoughts that I can't control from the last relationship I was in, and it makes me feel like I'm out of integrity with the relationship I'm in now, and I don't know how to process this and get through this so that I'm not feeling that way. Well, what, so then am I hearing that you have a goal to be perfect? Maybe. Maybe. So you might, find, you might find it useful to cancel your need to be perfect and instead be honest. And as you cancel your goal to be perfect, I should be doing it this way. You know, somebody set a model up of how you should be doing it. The way you should be doing it is the way being would do it. And if I'm out of, te- of integrity with that, then, you know, this, this is a, a, if you're in a new relationship, this is a perfect place to open the space for the conversation of the last paragraph of the commitment. If you haven't introduced the commitment yet into the relationship, you might. And then the last paragraph of the commitment says, if anything less than love comes up, I'll hold this in my heart and listen as we each learn to speak, experience, and be responsible for our own realities. I'm here for and with you, keeping communication open and keeping love conscious, active, and present as we heal, celebrate life, and grow together. And so when I recognize that, then the relationship, rather than being a space where you have to be perfect and I have to be perfect, And anything that we don't want to deal with, we just hide from ourselves, which, of course, means it's going to become a major event in our lives sooner or later. When you can open the space to say, you know, I come to this relationship with my bag of garbage, and I recognize that perhaps you have one, and maybe she hasn't shown it to you yet, but I guarantee she's got one. So (laughs) how about if we start right off from the beginning making it safe for each of us to bring forward and embrace with and for each other our bags of garbage so that we can move through those energetic dynamics. And I have an energetic dynamic that, for me, has me feeling like I'm out of integrity, and I want to clean that up, and I'd like your support in doing it. 
and you know start out with the commitment right you know at the beginning of a relationship and and recognize that she isn't and you're not perfect and if you try to live up to that you're just setting the relationship up for future trauma and that's not what I, I don't want to do that I don't want to do the same thing in this one that I've done in the last one right so so did you hear the suggestion of ask for yes. support own what's going yes. on tell the truth and and move through it. One of the fastest way to move through something is tell the truth about it. Okay. And I'd offer that if the relationship isn't strong enough to handle the truth of what's going on, or you feel like you can't trust the relationship to handle the truth of what's going on, then maybe you need to step back a little bit and take it a little slower and just let it develop and open um, as it needs to open. I think it is, and I think I, I can And you'll set a great precedent for for her and for yourself to be able to deal with what's what's hidden. That you know, none of us. You know, you've seen Gene and I at the front of the where we do the demonstration, the bags of garbage, and you know, we meet somebody and we each want to keep our bags of garbage hidden. No, I don't want you to see this part of me. But if I keep hiding that part of me, I have to put energy in it to put it down, to push it down. And if I push it down by adding energy to it, I'm, what, what's happening is I'm guaranteeing that at some point that's going to become powerful enough to overpower me and influence what I think, feel, and do. And that's ultimately what tends to destroy relationship is when those things that we've been trying to hide, we've been trying to push down, when they finally come up. And so I'd invite you to stay in, in your breath, keep connecting yourself to love and processing through those things, and be aware that there's no substance or behavior that's going to fix it for you. It's about doing your work. Yeah, I have actually been wanting to use the last two days. I've been fighting that off. Yeah. So. Okay. Well, we're here Thank to hold you. the space. What are, you, what, are you, what are you feeling right now? It sounds like some grief. I don't know what I'm feeling. I don't know. I do not know. Notice how tight your throat is, and it wants to lock the energy in. So maybe just at this point, let yourself take a breath and let your throat soften. I mean, your your voice is up about three octaves, and uh, locking down the energy feels like from your shoulders down into your diaphragm. And so maybe just let that soften and let that energy move. You know how to do still point and just let yourself breathe into the emotion that's there. And as you burn it off, you'll see the thought that's under it. And as you see the thought, you'll just change it, and it'll be out of the way. Yeah, I've been trying to wait for the thoughts. And they do, they do come and go, but the ones I can't control, they're the ones that are bothering me, the ones that I just, Mm -hmm. you know, every little thing I see triggers me into a thought that I don't want. Yeah, And, and, (gasps) and but here's the thing. You do want it. You do want it. You want to be able to become conscious of that and embrace it in the active presence of love. And as you become conscious of it and embrace it in the active presence of love, instead of saying, oh, let me close my throat, my chest, my diaphragm, I don't want this, you lock it in and you make it a more powerful factor in your life. You do want it. If it's there, you want the truth. Ah, let me breathe into the truth. Let me hold into the space of love. It burns off. By pushing it down, I just give it more strength and hold on to it. So yeah. I do want it to be there. This sucks. Processing shit. Yeah, stop, I hear stop, you. Stop. Well, you know, yeah, so, so notice 
how much of your life to this point so you start to wake up and do your work sucks. So now here's what your assignment is. Bring the presence of love to every thought in your life that ever sucked and created behavior that sucked and breathe into it and let it go. But by saying I don't want this and and trying to hide it just gives it more power. When it comes to the light, it disappears. I don't know who's coughing in the background, but maybe you could mute oh, if you would. Oh, I'm so sorry. How do you mute? Yep. Uh, on your I phone, I don't know. There's a there's a mute button. Right. I'll get it. Oh. Yeah. So sorry. So does that make sense? Yes. Yes. Yes, it does. Yeah. So you just let yourself drop into the deeper and deeper and deeper parts. And what you might find is when you take the next breath and move to the next layer deeper, it's going to be even more in terms of the judgments you're holding for yourself terrible than the one you're looking at now. And as you breathe in that, it may be more intense and deeper and more judged as terrible than the last thought. But as you let yourself embrace them in love, if it's not like love, it will melt and disappear from your life. All right. That's safe to go there. Just another level. Yeah, that's it. That's it exactly. And we're here to hold the space. you got a whole community, a global community right here. I know. Holding the right. call, supporting you through it. Go, Michelle. Thank you. Hey, Shelly. Um, yes, ma'am. This is Michelle. Uh, listen, why not consider going back to one of the archive radio shows when you've been um, on the air, maybe in February, March, when you were like just jamming and you were in the zone and you were aligned with love and you were feeling it and you were promoting it and you were full of life and love. And, you know, as a reminder, because they're capable and that might help spring back well, I feel I feel like I'm still in that space of love right now. It's just that I've got stuff coming into my brain that I can't keep out, and I guess that I'm not supposed to keep it out. Let it come in, let it float through, and and deal with it. And you know, and, you know, I this, this this my new relationship that I'm in now. I, I have learned something from this this relationship that um, I put offers up on the table that I really don't want people to take. And we had we had something that I ate a candy bar. She got really upset because you know I'm diabetic. She got really upset. She said, "Why are you doing this?" And literally, uh, we was in um, somewhere in Delaware or Pennsylvania, coming back on a road trip. And um, I bought this candy. I was jonesing for this candy, this mountain mounds bar, and I bought it. I came out and I put it on the console. She said, "What are you What are you going to eat that for? What, you don't need that. What are you going to eat it for?" And I said, "Because I want it." And literally, a monk in Delaware walked across the parking lot. And she said, "Look, you see that man right there? He's telling you right now you don't need that." Candy bar. She says, "What are you doing?" And I said, "I don't care. He, he he's not here for me." And she said, "No, that that is a sign to you that you need to get back into your inner peace and find yourself and not eat that candy bar." So I said, "Whatever." And I ate the candy bar. She was mad at me. We went to dinner, and um, while we was at dinner, I said to her, um, "I could tell she was upset with me." And I said, "Do you want me to just take you to the next airport and drop you off?" And she said, "Well, let me ask you one question. Do you want me to go to the next airport and?" be dropped off? And I said, no, not really. She said, then why would you put that on the table? Because if I'm in a bad mood or something's going wrong with me, I may take you up on that offer that you don't want me to take. And then on the same same level, 
I'm going to take you up on an offer that I don't want to take, and it's going to change both of our lives to a place that we don't want to go. So why would you even offer that to me? And that's, I think that's when the processing started two days ago. All this started going through my head. Perfect. Yeah. What a gift. Yeah. What support. It is a gift. So notice that she invited you to let go of your drug, and beneath the desire for the drug was all of this. And notice that whenever you want to drug yourself, that's the time to recover your being. That's the time to go back to bringing the active presence of love forward and letting whatever is held in carbon-based memory melt off. Let it be forgiven. Hmm. That probably is when it all started. That's awesome. That probably is when it all started with that candy bar, huh? And so notice mm. you were, well, I want it. No, it wasn't that I want it. The truth was there's something coming up that I don't want to feel, and so I'm going to drug myself. Sugar is one of the most powerful and addictive drugs that there is. <laughs> Thank you so much. I feel so much better. Hey. Every time I talk to you, I feel better when I'm processing. I'm going to peel it off. I'm going to let it come up. Yay. You know that, Yay. You know what they say, crap we'll floats to the top. You know what they say, crap floats to the top. It has to. Thank you. It has to in order Thank to be burned off. And, yeah, you know, you, just recognize that it's safe to go through all of the insanity, you know, the the craziness, that it's safe to keep bringing forward that presence of love and move through it. And so the next time you've got a desire for a candy bar and she says, what are you doing? I'd support you saying, oh, something's coming up I don't want to deal with. Would you just hold the space for me and uh, let go of whatever the, the, the driver is for the addiction? Sounds like an awesome, awesome space of support she's creating. Fabulous. Nice work. Yeah. Yeah. She's um... – I say I told God, I said, you know, God, you know, I quit asking for what I wanted, and, and you know, when I went through all my other stuff, I said, God, just do what you want to do, bring me what you want to bring me. And literally, she showed up and pursued me. I didn't pursue her, and that's what blows me away. You know, that's what blows me away. And now, I'm I'm, I'm just in a process right now that I don't, I'm not understanding everything that's going on because everything is moving so fast forward for me yeah. that I. I it's hard for me to keep up with what's going on. So remember, you can't figure it out. But what you can do is every time there's something less than love coming up, you know there's a goal driving. You can cancel the goal and drop into the next level. So let go of yes, trying sir. to figure it out and control the process. Be in it. Keep connecting to love, and you move forward. And our time is just about out, so we're going to get disconnected in a few seconds. So I'm just going to say thank you, everybody, for your support, your caring, your concern, holding the space. The work you do changes the world, and that's what we're here to do. Have a blessed one. Thank you for your time. Have the best year Love yet you of your eternal Thank life. You. Okay, good. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Mind Shifters Radio with the Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael Rice, and myself, Jeannie Rice, as we present the Internal Aramaic Process of Forgiveness. We are here every Monday through Friday from 1 to 2 o'clock Eastern Time on Earth Angels Radio. For more on Michael, myself, or Aramaic Forgiveness, please visit www.whyagain.org. That's www.whyagain.org.
A-G-A-I-N dot org. <laughs>